Why am I always the one on the show that doesn't realize when there are metaphors for erections? Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that always minds its P's and Q's. I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm your host. I'm a musician and writer. And joining me as always is... Hi, uh, this is Lindsay. <laughs> I nailed that intro. I don't know what's. I don't know. <laughs> First of all, you have the energy level of like a zombie right now. <laughs> all right. Well, it's six p.m. on a Monday. All right. You want me to do it again? I I don't care if you want to be like, hi. This is care. phone sex, Aviv. <laughs> this is phone sex. All right. Fine. I'm not going to do phone sex, Aviv. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Why are you laughing all day? <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Lyrics for Lunch, the show that always minds its P's and Q's. Even funnier the second <laughs> time I said it. This is a weekly podcast that does deep dives into some of your favorite songs, histories behind them, cultural implications of them, etc., etc., etc. I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm your host. I'm a musician and writer, and I would be nothing and nowhere with the the Simon to my Garfunkel. <laughs> it is true. It is I. <laughs> Miss, mm-hmm. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Uh, it's me. I'm a journalist, and I research songs for y'all every week, except this week. Except for this week, we have a it's a it's a very auspicious occasion. We have our very first guest Woo-hoo! on the on the program talking to us about a style of music that I have no clue about at all. And so I'm looking forward to learning about it. Can you it. please introduce our guest? One miss. <laughs> I'm doing it. I literally just. Oh, Sonia Missio. How are you? This I'm you great. This week, Thanks for having me on, guys. This is really exciting. I'm a, you know, longtime listener, first time caller. Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So, Sonia, Sonia, who are you? What gives you the right? Um, <laughs> Absolutely nothing gives me the right. Uh, as you can both probably see, I am a white looking girl. And from my accent, I am from Toronto. So I have absolutely no right. But, you know, here I am. And, and but here we go. <laughs> we're going to try it. But tell us a little about yourself, Sonia. Sure. So um, I am a wannabe music academic who kind of switched from studying music to studying sports, which uh, is not the normal kind of path, but there is actually a lot of overlapping and overlay. So my first passion was always music. Uh, Both my older brothers were music writers, so I kind of was forced into it. And then I sort of found my own path and I've been listening to this podcast for quite some time and I'm happy to, to be joining and thank you for having me on. 
Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on. And listeners, you might remember Sonia's name from being the angel who sent a couple of <laughs> emails to the Toronto Library for us, the University of Toronto Library for us to help track down the Leonard Cohen papers in the Lost Verses of Hallelujah. And so, yes, she's she's been a, a good a good friend good soup as they say on tiktok yeah and the uh library should actually be open in september i mean covid is kind of a disaster in toronto right now so i cannot make any promises but i will follow up with um the librarian i was speaking to earlier and i will see if i can get in to snoop around and take pictures and if i'm not allowed doing that then you'll trip to toronto yeah. so exciting <laughs> that 10 minute uh I'm bike ride but yeah. <laughs> So, so, so what are we, we kind of obliquely mentioned what we're talking about today? We're going to be talking about grime today, which has sort of had a rebirth recently. Um, thanks kind of in part to another fellow Torontonian named Drake, who I think is a little bit more of a household name than I think grime music is. But where my, um, I guess, journey with grime music started is my partner is English. And when we first started dating, we did that whole sort of like Christmas in London thing, you know, where you go to like Harrods and it's very love actually and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you hold the signs up. Right? Uh, I don't know if we'd still be together if he did that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. Um, he's somewhere in the house, so hopefully he's he's listening and taking that hint. But um, so we did this whole like beautiful like you know upper middle class high tea in like the London Museum experience. And that evening he took me to a party of his sort of like high school or whatever their equivalent is. They call it like form of some sort. I, I really don't understand the English. Um, and <laughs> he took me to this house party, and I was kind of expecting kind of something similar to Canadian. Like um, um, I don't know if you guys have them in the states, but like a kitchen party. Like you know you play music in the kitchen, and like everyone sort of just ends there. At the middle at the end of the night and it's like very tragically hip and like sort of like your old college favorites yeah absolutely so i thought that's how it was going to be and it was nothing like that it um (laughs) the friend who is kind of hosting the party with his partner he was a music producer and he worked with people like basement jacks and like had this very cool scene and they just exposed me to this music that i'd never really heard before and now i'd heard like house music and things like that but not in the sort of um, scenario where I was hearing like people mix things and and it literally like blew my mind at the time probably not literally but you know it was it was this very very cool music that I just never heard of and um, Nick my partner is not a big music guy like we never really connected over music so it was really interesting to me that he had this sort of like second life that I didn't know about. And he started introducing me to grime where his kind of background came from when, where, you know, he grew up and what he listened to when, when he was in high school slash university, I guess a little bit older. And um, it was so different from, I guess, North American sort of rap or hip hop, or um, I know if you've mentioned like the streets and things like that before, that... I really started diving into it and kind of roughly around the same time I started running and I swear this will all connect. The whole point of grime is their beats per minute, which makes for the best running tracks ever because it, it 
keeps you motivated. So I started listening to just Grime on Repeat while I was running, and I have fallen in love with this music, and I want to say right off the bat, I have no no right to be talking about it, and I don't want to... Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. So instead of being somebody who's giving this biography of grime music, I want to be a person who's helping build a bibliography of grime music, pointing you to people who are much smarter, much more into the scene, much more into sort of the 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 history and the upbringing and everything, and then kind of pulling on cultural references that maybe you guys and your listeners or whoever understand a lot more and kind of comparing it to a North American scene. So it kind of gives that sort of context. Okay. So as we get started, what is grime? So it started sort of as an underground genre in the early 2000s. Uh, a lot of it was based on different crews and like um, private radio stations. So yeah, our conversation, Sonia and my conversation before this this came on, where, where we kind of gave Sonia carte blanche as to what she wanted to talk about. And she said, grime. And I said, oh, like the streets. And she was like, no, you idiot. <laughs> and I was like, I have, then I don't know a single thing about it. Me either. Because the one band, yeah, the one band that I thought was a grime band is absolutely not. Okay. So first I'm going to backpedal and apologize. And I will say No apologizing. That, okay. I will not apologize. Yeah, this is v- tragically Canadian of you. No apologies whatsoever. I'm going to double down on my position. But um, again, before you get angry tweets from your millions of listeners in the UK, Mike Skinner does work with a lot of grime artists. It's just Mike Skinner and... I was right. The streets aren't considered grime, but Mike's... Get the fuck out, Sonia. <laughs> um, but yes, so there is a little bit of overlap there. Um, I would say okay. there are kind of three main things that make something grime um number one is that beats per minute that i was talking about earlier so it's about 140 beats per minute is how the syncopated beats work out and this is really difficult for me because i have zero rhythm i could not beat anything to any time um as a soccer fan and as a soccer journalist it's really difficult because there's a lot of clap alongs when you're at games and i can't do any of them i just stand there (laughs) i literally cannot clap in time or in tune so that's the first thing that like most normal people could easily recognize as a grime song but i can't okay so going from that it's about what the music is also about it usually depicts you know urban life or tells a story or has something to do with the kind of general scene surrounding crime music so the song that we're kind of going to first start talking about uh that you alluded to in the intro p's and q's by kano talks about how kano presents himself sort of like in the street or as a person And that's sort of what all the themes are. Whereas rap music, I think, in North America especially, kind of goes everywhere. You know, you have like gangster rap, which is one sort of genre or one sort of theme to different versions. This really talks about urban life and positioning of where somebody is at a specific time and place. And the second part is sort of like, or the third part rather, is sort of that mix of like the MC, the the electronic music in the background, and just sort of how everything kind of comes together and how the song is produced in the end. (laughs) One other article that just sort of like mirrored my, my two loves was I basically just looked up like how to explain grime and something came up from MLSsoccer.com called 
Yeah, I know. Uh, why? What is grime and why is UK hip hop better than US? And uh, a very famous English player who now plays in the States called Bradley Wright Phillips um, talks about grime. And two quotes that I really like from this article that, again, surprised me from being on the MLS website was uh, this. So the interviewer asked, what's your favorite genre of music? as you ask most, you know, professional athletes. And he replies, my favorite genre has got to be grime. I can relate to it a lot more than I can to other music. I grew up in an era when it was in its early stages, so I grew up with it. Something I can relate to. I know people are talking about whether they talk about their experiences in songs. Plus the beats are so good, so easy to dance to. Interviewer then asks, "Um, I'm not sure if many Americans know what grime is. Can you describe it for us? To which he replies, it's hard to put in a box. But think of American hip hop in early days, something raw, like a guy on a mic backed up with music with 140 beats per minute. Guys talking about their lives, their upbringing and their experiences. So, I mean, one thing that I've really discovered in this sort of research phase that I've done is that no one can really describe grime other than very tangential things of like, it's 140 beats per minute, it's about experiences. But the thing that keeps coming up is that you know it when you hear it. Like it is something that is so distinct that being able to describe it as in classical music is this, pop music is this, mm-hmm. like it's not sort of that same sort of overarching factor. I think that that's also how people like started to describe gangster rap when that first happened. And they're like, well, it's like rap that we know, but it's like different. And it's about like, like growing up on the streets and like maybe doing murders or selling drugs. And like, it just like sounds different than what we know. And that to me is what I'm kind of taking in with my first real dive into grime is like, oh yeah, this is like a different pocket of stuff. And I, Mm -hmm. I don't know how exactly I would categorize it having listened to it for an hour. Obviously I'm not the right person to do so. When you say pirate radio stations, like there are these, there are real pirate radio stations like broadcasting in England. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want another show recommendation, it's called People Just Do Nothing. Um, it's more about, not grime, but it's uh, more about pirate radio stations and MCs, um, and it's excellent. Cool. So yeah. it's this underground movement adjacent to hip-hop from like the early 2000s. We're not, we're not saying yeah. it's hip-hop because it's not hip-hop. It's grime. Yes, very separate different things so i have a question you said um yeah. like how where someone is at a at a specific time and place mm-hmm. what does that mean exactly are the songs more like are they autobiographical so it's it's mostly you know about um and i can give you some lyrics or play a song that will definitely explain this a little bit better but it is about, you know, um, urban street life. And some of it is about drug dealing. Some of it is about, you know, being able to stick up for your friends or mm-hmm. just sort of general things of what is going on in order to to um, kind of tell a story. Like, it's a lyrical story. There is a point to every song. Great. I guess we should probably listen to yeah. a song so that we can figure out what we're all talking about here.
This is a good, this is a good running pace. Some manners don't like me, they try and bad mind me when Kano comes to town. All I say is mine's right and they lose the limelight when Kano comes around. Some try to screw me or even sue me, but it don't work cause the crowd don't boo me. You ain't a true G, I'm too deep, how can Kano stay on the ground? I ain't like most that roll around and kick off I hold it down. But we're still gully, the only pop you'll hear from us is pop, pop, pop them out. Act up and get pops in the mouth, cause you're just playing a gangster. You ain't never weighed it out, fought about, so you ain't never hit no blocks in your mouth. You ain't got love in northwest and south. And I'm an East boy, you're a cheap boy I finish it when you start the beef boy Girls like me, but I ain't a sweet boy So boy, don't think you can move to me You think I'll be a sleep boy Cause I'm on my P's and Q's That's why I make more P's than U's Even when I'm in threes and twos Slip, there ain't no reason to Slip in If there ain't a blitz between the clip That's slipping No whip out the man of Lincoln chicks That's slipping That's slipping if you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. Keep losing, so I ain't losing from London to loot, and I'm moving. I'm even working overseas, and I got it locked from London to Leeds. Please, from time you heard me shine, now I'm big from London to Merseyside. You got lines, but you spit like nursery rhymes. This year's got to be mine, I'm the first in line. Wow, you got your first rewind, but the second line sounded like the first line. I ain't got punchlines, I got kick lines, and I ain't commercial, but I got hit lines. I spit beat rhymes, but I got the girls on my side from the first rewind. You might see my face in a magazine or in a fur coat in face magazine, because it's spreading the word down from rage that I've been, and they're bringing the purse out to pay. For my team, I couldn't give a sh. I'll break in the scene, making the scene, and start making the cream. See, I got a gang with me, and when you walk with a gangster lean, you're all talk, you don't wanna rap with me. There's no jokes or no pranks with me. If you see me in that game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in that game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me in that game with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, in sneaks or shoes, we're in a Honda. Get no jeeps and coops, we'll chief your crew We're so hungry, we'll teeth your food So mind out before you find out who you're speaking to I speak to yous on a level and speak the truth So please, let's fuck in me, but there ain't no me in you And please, you ain't bossing one, let alone squeezing two Say cheese, but it won't be a snapshot Pull out and try and hit like the jackpot leave I ain't waiting around, baiting the town for K to be found that slipping if there ain't a blitz between the click, that's slipping. No whip out the man of Lincoln chicks, that's slipping. That's slipping. If you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. If you see me and I ain't with my crew, believe I'm on my P's and Q's, even on my own too. That's the difference between me and you. So let's play a quick round of Does It Slap? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Slaps. Slaps. So I have okay. like a bunch of questions about... Me too. Okay, lay it on me. So I'm curious, what made you choose this song? So this is an kind of like an early big grime hit. Um, if you were to kind of write the... or you know do the sort of like standard like best of grime this would definitely be on it it was one of the more kind of 
popular songs that came out a lot of times uh, before things started becoming more commercialized. It was a lot on private radio and live shows. Mm. This you can see from the video, it's very polished. There is a standard of production here. So early 2000s, um, Kano's one of kind of like the, the, not originators, but somebody that has been kind of attributed to the rise and the popularity of grime as well. Um, another reason why I chose this song, uh, particularly Kano songs, because I also wanted to talk very briefly about the show Top Boy. I don't know if what is, you know. Wait, it. what is Top Boy? Top Boy, and I think this is if if you can. I know it's on Canadian Netflix, so if it's on American Netflix, I would definitely um, ch- watch it. But it's essentially season one and season five of The Wire set in England. Wait, wait. Oh. what the fuck? Yeah, so it stars Kano as a, please don't at me, this is not a like-to-like comparison, I am just making a cultural reference that people can kind of understand, or at least be on the same level, but Kano plays sort of like an Avon Barksdale type character, where season one, where they're trying to, you know, climb up the ranks, and then there's another... Um, actor slash rapper, so he's not really grime, but he's more rap. Lashley Waters um, or Asher D, who plays the um, the Stringer Bell type character, who's a little bit more calm and collective, and looks at it more as a business than like as a gangster type, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth. Um, there are the kids or the youth involved, so you have like a Michael character who is sort of like the level-headed one. You have a character named Leon who is sort of like the retired, you know, he used to be in the game, he's now out of the game, and he's trying to like navigate the kids. Uh, it's only oh, like a Cuddy three- character. Jeez. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly like Cuddy. Um, he's also a physiotherapist in Top Boy, so oh. like. So when you said Top Boy, I assumed it was like a British version of America's Next Top Model, but for men. (laughs) (laughs) Kato did used to model, so I mean, you're not too far off. We're going to find Britain's Top Boy. No, it's Top Boy as in like, who is the top boy in like the estates and and or the towers, if you want to make a wire reference. We are also recording this on the day that Michael Kenneth Williams died. Which was, I didn't realize that we would just be talking about The Wire for the whole time. I know, I know. I was actually debating whether to bring it up, but it's such like an integral thing. And it also circles back to Drake. But I think it also goes to say like how integral and how grime has become the sort of, it was a sub, a subsection of like rap music, if you want to just like overarch it and now has like touched so many different areas of pop culture. It's, it's really so much bigger than one would expect it to be. How did grime start as like a musical movement? Uh, it was very underground. Uh, this is the part that I can't really speak to as much other than what I've read. But a lot of pirate radio, it started off as, you know, different genres kind of mixing together and then people releasing tracks in sort of like groups or crews and then people going off to sort of solo as solo musicians and as with anything you know it started at in certain neighborhoods in like london and whatnot it started growing across england and then white middle class people got a hold of it and ruined it (laughs) um for better or for worse by making it a lot popular making people like me you know a, a girl from Toronto being able to listen to it to run to it and so you have grime artists like Dizzy Rascal who kind of like start at the very beginning 
is now doing songs with people like Robbie Williams. And, you know, you have people like Drake who have come in, found grime artists in the UK and have made them really, really popular in North America so that, you know, the things that they were producing music about at the beginning may not necessarily translate the same over here because we don't have the same cultural experiences. Mm -hmm. However, if you produce something well enough, people are going to like it. People are going to listen to it. So it does come very... I don't want to say watered down because it happens to every genre of music. Somebody finds it, hears it, and then produces it to be mass appeal. I know you guys have talked about that quite a bit. And that doesn't necessarily make something bad. It just means that it's evolved into something completely different. Okay. So we're in the early 2000s. Grime Mm -hmm. is a totally underground movement. And and you mentioned this is the thing that's that's been kind of the question that's been stuck in my paw for since we decided that we were going to talk about grime is like why 140 bpm for every song it feels very limiting and i think that's sort of part of it it's to, it's to be able to fit into that i guess that sort of like case to make it not more challenging but it, it's like you can step up and you can actually like play that in order to sort of like get in right like it's it's you're able to fit into those constraints you're able Mm -hmm. to produce something that is within those constraints that sound good i suppose also that the the constant bpm makes it easier to do it like djs to do it dance parties to just like roll one right into the other right into the other right and it becomes this like big house track almost yeah, you'll also see too that a lot of songs reference other songs. Like it's it's almost not a call and response directly, but mm-hmm. it is people kind of understanding and recognizing people who've come before them and making reference to that. Like it is, it's very community based, which you don't really get in in other types of music as well. Before we totally move on from P's and Q's too, I'd love to like hear more about what the song is about you know you mentioned uh grime has each song is very specifically about something so like what is that song about sure yep i mean i didn't even i p's and q's kind of it means manners right Mm -hmm. yeah exactly um so i think it means something a little bit different like mind your p's and q's in like the south of the states but in england part of it is is like being polite and proper. So P's and Q's where it is said to originate from, I don't actually know if it's true, but the the legend behind it is when you're learning how to write when you're a child and knowing, you know, which line for a P versus which line for a Q, because they're opposite. So being making sure things are in place and being proper. Fun fact, my high school band with Matt Reuter was called B and D Confusion for the same reason. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And so for this song, what Kano is basically saying that like, he's kind of breaking away from, as I mentioned before, like there's a lot of um, ensembles before with like crews and whatnot, but he's saying that even alone, like you need to respect him because of where he is, what he's done for the genre. And he's sort of like coming up on his own. So even in the video that we were watching, you know, he's sort of walking down these dark alleys and streets alone. And then eventually he has more and more people coming up behind him and like following him as a crowd. So it's a song basically about respect that he's sort of been there from the beginning. Um, that, you know, he's he's sort of spread himself around from like London to Luton. And then he mentions a whole bunch of other places in England. And so it's basically him coming up and saying like, I'm the real deal. 
you know, I deserve respect. I've been here building this this genre from the beginning mm. and I don't need everybody's support around me. I'm here doing it on my own while still recognizing what he has used to sort of build up around us. Interesting. And how is that different from rap? I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> so um, there's a few things. There is both the musical kind of elements to it, the electronic music in the background, the mix of like using MCs and like the actual DJs and whatnot. But um, like I said, I don't want to be the biographer on this because I'm not. I want to be the bibliographer on this. Mm. And so I've just sent you both a clip that will kind of explain this a little bit more, a little bit more succinctly from somebody who is in it and has, you know, is able to talk to it with a little bit more authority than me. Yeah, it's an interview with uh, Santon Dave or Dave. I guess you're on first name basis with him. Um, hmm. And Ebro in the morning, which is on Hot 97. But on, on back to the music, can you help us here, us Americans, uh, understand the difference between a grime artist and just a rapper? Because by definition, when you look up Santan Dave or Dave, it says rapper. Okay. When you look up a Skepta or a Stormzy or even AJ Tracy, your partner, and you guys have done records together. Yeah. It says grime MC or grime artist. What is the technical difference? Okay, so the technical difference is, well, three things. Firstly, grime is its own sound. So like... Sound of beat or sound of... The instrumental usually dictates it. It's not like limited to one tempo, but it's mainly at this one tempo. And it's the entire sound in the instruments behind it. So basically, like you would have drill music or trap music. Drill music has like the quick drums, the like, and it has like the 808s and ETC. Grime has a tempo of 140 BPM set usually, goes up to 144.5 or goes down to 138. That's real technical. In speed. Jesus, and then, serious nerd talk. I'm into yeah. it. I'm into it. It has like very like grungy bass lines without like a lot of melody and it's got like a really hard hitting sound so grime mcs other things that they do usually is like they have radio sets where they rap and they switch instrumentals and then when the beat changes they have to catch the drops and then they like it's a, almost like, like dance hall cypher but it's almost it dance hall like. in a way yeah, yeah sort of so like if i'm rapping there'll be a beat underneath me blah 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 and then they'll mix it in change the beat and then Boom, I've got to catch the drop again, start rapping different bars. And if I catch it perfectly, I get something called a wheel up, which is like a restart. That's dance which is like, for sure. You know, it's like a grime orgasm. It's like the one way to win if you're a grime MC, you get a wheel up. Wah! Will, yeah. will, will. And then it's like, okay, start again. And then, yeah, that's basically grime. Like, So there's a lot more to it. It's like a sound culture style. It's like the way that they dress and speak is very like, accepting the whole British thing and then turning it into some, like, yeah. So that's grime. And rap is, for me, it's just, I just go at any tempo and any sort of sound of beat and I incorporate melody as well. So, so and some grime artists do make rap records, yes. Hello? Yes. However, a lot of grime artists that make rap records, it's more difficult for them because they sit at 140 so much. When they try and come onto tempos like 90, 95, you see them start to elongate and drag their words because they've never really actually written to them tempos. So they don't know how to fill their sentences and their spaces well enough to rap normally, if you get what I'm saying. Would you say that you consider grime to be a subgenre overall of hip hop 
the way trap or drill is in America? Or do you consider it to be a separate genre altogether? As an essay, that is an essay. Um, <laughs> it must it must be its own genre. It must be. Like, the reason I say it must be its own genre is because, like, if you're not a grime MC, you can't wake up and become a grime MC. If you're not a grime producer, you can't just, like, become a grime producer. It's things that are just, like, over time. You can't, like, go out and download, like, a grime... Um, sound sound pack from Fruity Loops and you can't just do it like you can with Lex Luger you can't just wake up and then study flows and say you know you're going to be this and that like you have to be brought up you have to know how to breathe you have to have gone through a million radio sets to be able to catch the wheels the same way that everyone else does like you can't just walk into it if you get what I'm saying like there's so much stuff about grime that you have to understand like instrumentals that you would need to know like it's like being a dj in, in a way like and so you're saying in that what i hear is that it is its own genre because of that yes yeah there's too many different factors for it to simply be a subgenre. yeah there's too many variables there's certain instrumentals that will come on in a grime rave and it's like oh my god like this is from 2004 2003 or the certain flows that are just like legendary and people repeat flows and it, they have things where they repeat like words in their choruses, like bad, you're not bad, you're not bad. Like, it's just a completely different world. Um, they mention, like, he mentions a couple times, like, the, the specific instrumentation of grime music versus rap. I'm wondering if, can we take a, another quick listen to P's and Q's and, like, mm -hmm. listen to the instrumentation of it? Sure. So the so the the beat of P's and Q's is like very busy, right? Like the the lead synth lead or whatever you would call it. It's like doing probably twice as much as what a an American rap song would do, right? Because the the bass and horns is going boom. Bum, 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 which is like very busy especially because what Kano is doing over it is also very busy so it's like all, everything on top of itself could sound really messy but for whatever reason it doesn't it, it it's the chaos that sort of works mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah and um i also have a list of i, I made a sort of like a greatest hits grime Spotify yeah. playlist for you guys as well. So there are other things we can listen to other than P's and Q's as well to kind of also look at how uh, what he was talking about and sort of how I inarticulately mentioned before that community things like that sort of like call and response, pulling mm -hmm. in other songs, making reference so that you kind of like show that you're legit, that you know the history, that you know the people who came before you and that you're able to work them into the song. And again, I'm not musically inclined whatsoever i like i said i could not clap around like clap to this i could not <laughs> bop my head to this beep bop your head to this beep is also a grime reference but Ooh. yeah just one of those things and even davis kind of having difficulty explaining this because it's one of those things where you hear it and you know it like this is such a bad comparison and i'm not comparing this like apples to apples but it's like you know that uh saying about pornography you can't describe it but if you saw it you know what it is yeah. right mm -hmm. so it's it's easier to tell what isn't grime than what is grime, if that makes sense. Let's talk about the evolution of grime. Yeah, so it almost had, not like a dying out, but it, it kind of faltered for a while, and it had the sort of revival of 
artists, you know, collaborating with other people. And once you start collaborating with other people, you sort of lose that essence of what was originally there. What was the timeline from like its inception and then it sort of has a little lull and then it has a resurgence? So early 2000s, that's sort of when it kind of got big. And then in the decline, it happened by like the late 2000s. So it's sort of like a kind of like a 10 year history before then it started getting picked up again, when artists kind of switched gears and switched their sound and then started collaborating, like I mentioned, like Dizzy Rascal, you know, did a song with Robbie Williams. And then there was recently what is sort of like looked at as a Grimes song with like a Cher Lloyd, who um, was an X Factor contestant, who was coached by Cheryl Cole. Just as a little... Who got it up the duff from that that One Direction guy, as we know. Mm Mm-hmm. Just trying to bring everything full circle here. Yeah. Um, There's also a Grimes song that mentioned Cheryl Cole as well. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's... this kind of interesting thing that started off as sort of like this underground, you know, pirate radio, and then all of a sudden starts making actual pop cultural references and becomes so mainstream that in order to kind of get all of these references, you have to be in the know Um, from everything about like, you know, tweeting somebody to pop stars being referenced to uh, footballers being referenced and everything like that. Um, to somebody like Drake coming over from Toronto, Canada, North America, wherever you want to place him, and starting to collaborate with different artists. And, you know, you have these sort of like old school grime artists who have actually said that Drake has revived, for better or for worse, this genre of music that has... um, Yeah, so Stormzy has said it very publicly, saying you may not agree with me, but... You're, you want this whole new audience, this whole new set of people to to be able to understand and appreciate and listen and, and know what it is as soon as you hear it. And I think what's really interesting is that when you love something, you kind of want to keep it for yourself. Like it's it's sort of like that, that hipster mentality of like, I knew them before they got famous or like, I like them on their first EP, etc. So it's this idea that sort of these old school grime fans want to keep something that was special for them at this time and place when that's not really the reality anymore and i think a lot of musical genres are kind of going through that evolution right now as well can i ask kind of a tangential this is just like a discussion topic i don't know if there's an answer to this what is it about like so if we think of musical movements we we associate them with like a 10-year span Right. Like new wave was the 80s or, you know, um, psychedelic stuff was the mid 60s to the mid 70s. What is it about like a specific like 10 to 12 years that seems to be the shelf life of a musical movement? Like, why do we think that that is culturally how long we can take of a certain thing before we start to muddle it down for better or worse and other with other types of music do you want a depressing answer i would love a depressing answer that's the only those are the only answers i accept. <laughs> i think it's because we grow up mm. um you know it's it's harder to find new music when you're older right like a lot of times your favorite bands happen when you're in high school or university college whatever because it's not so much the music that you care about i mean that all obviously plays a part about it but like i went to university at a time where canadian music was massive you had arcade fire you have broken social scene you had like 
Metric, Sam Roberts, like all of these people who were making huge Metric's on Canadian? an international scale. Metric's Canadian, yeah. Oh. Emily Hayes, you yeah. Learn something new every day. Here to help. Um, and so, you know, you for me, like, I'm very protective of that because it was my end of high school, going into university. These were huge bands that, like, meant something to me and I can kind of put a time stamp on it. Whereas if I listen to Broken Social Scene now, I'm like, is this really that good? There's a lot going on and not in a great way. Metric is still great. I love metric. But um, yeah, I think it's it's we hold on. We put music in a time capsule and that's mm-hmm. sort of where it lives. So even like a band that has longevity from like kind of my era. So like a Pearl Jam that, you know, comes out with new albums every like three or four years. Their music kind of changes and whatnot. I'll still get all of their albums. I have seen Pearl Jam Every year they've come to Toronto since I was in grade nine. Don't care about their new music. Couldn't really name you anything after Riot Act, but I'll still consume it because I feel like I have to. But that's not where I am in like my little atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So maybe it takes like 10 years for the novelty of something to wear off and commercialization to like sweep in. Which is like what you're saying about Drake, right? Like the the critics of Drake would be saying of of Drake reviving grime would be that he's doing it in a commercial way, having not been from the streets of London and and not lived the experiences that are integral to to creating grime music. He is watering down the purity of you know whatever, right? Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And like at the same time, though, isn't that just sort of what music is that somebody hears a sound that they like, they mimic it, they copy it. Mm-hmm. And and not even talking about like, you know, white dudes stealing black music, but the idea of you keep reproducing things over and over again, because this is what's popular versus what's not, what is going to be commercially successful, what is not. And then when you have a band that kind of comes out of nowhere, again, I'm, I'm dating myself in, in my era, but something like The Strokes that were so different at the time, then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have nine different bands that like come out that have a similar sound or a similar feel, a similar vibe. Yeah, and I feel like there's, there's a kind of an, ins- an inspection of this novelty too like obviously the strokes worked really hard to create their sound and then every other band that imitated them were like what is it about the sound that i love and then they're kind of trying to dismantle it and put it back together with their own music Mm -hmm. exactly and even like if you look at somebody like elvis who you know is incredibly problematic in many many ways but at least what you can kind of say from the history that's written by Elvis, that a lot of the music that he was listening to at the time, whether he knew it or not, had that influence on him. So what he was listening to influenced his music, not necessarily in a way that he was going to steal it, but that's what was available to him at the Mm -hmm. time. So you hear that music, you kind of get into that groove, you get into that understanding, that's sort of like your cultural point of reference. And then you go on with that. Obviously, there's privilege that comes in place where he was a white guy and was able to like make it commercially successful. But I don't know if he would have thought in the same way that he was taking from somebody else or if he was joining in with somebody else. Yeah, that's that. I, and, and we talked a little bit about that on our first You've Lost That Loving Feeling episode where like there was this kind of throwaway sentence that the people engaging in the movement called blue-eyed soul like came by it honestly quote unquote like Mm -hmm. they didn't 
quite yeah. realize the harm that they may have been doing to the culture, which like doesn't lessen the harm. But but yeah, I think, you know, if you asked Elvis because he's still alive and living on Venus or whatever, <laughs> whether he stole music from black people, he'd say, no, I amplified music from black people. Maybe. I don't know. He was also not a great human being. I just wanted to circle back to Drake. So we're giving Drake kind of like the credit of reviving grime um i also read in the guardian that um there J- drake is credited with bringing um top boys back and getting it on netflix yes yeah. yeah so season three of top boy um he was a producer executive producer i don't actually know his his title for it but yeah he brought the show back and um as aubrey graham by the way not as drake just i would like to point that out because it makes me giggle every is time that I his real name and, aubrey graham yeah oh yeah yeah. So, um, yeah, the thing, so I don't know, I always get stuck here because like, if you're from Toronto, you know everything about Drake. And then if you're not from Toronto, I never know how much people know about Drake or why I know he's so zero, important. I know that he we was don't in know a very wheelchair much. <laughs> on Degrassi, okay. which I've never seen. Jimmy, <gasps> you've never seen Degrassi? I've never seen a single episode of Degrassi. Me either. <gasps> Let's start oh, this from the beginning. Let's just, let this be a Degrassi episode. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I know that he's kind of a creep when it comes to Millie Bobby Brown. Yep. Um, and that's base. And that someone like someone there was like a rap battle between him and someone else, and that guy like busted him into the next century by telling him that he has like an illegitimate kid that he doesn't take care of. And that's basically yep. all I know. Adonis, yeah. Uh, really cute kid, actually. Uh, not that that matters, but he's just a very, very cute kid. If he was ugly, um, we wouldn't need to take care of him. Ex- exact, that's exactly what I'm saying. Thank you for reading between the lines. Yep, no um, problem. That's what, I, that's what I do around here. <laughs> he's uh, currently in a battle with... So I think this kind of sums it up. He's currently in a feud with Kanye, but like I'm in a feud with Kanye right now from my understanding of Kanye's life. But Kanye decided to... like mini docks him by posting where he lives like posting his house address and everyone in toronto's like yep we know this like, <laughs> that's how how integral drake is like you know where his house is in toronto he lives in this place called the bridal path which is like very fancy but like not quite a ga- i mean houses have gates but it's not a gated community but like so drake let's back up a little bit this is going to become a drake episode i'm, I'm very sorry i'm, I'm in um, it's fine tell us everything about drake <laughs> cool so backing up to the 80s actually uh degrassi was a show in canada that you guys actually have a spinoff of that was supposed to emulate degrassi called beverly hills 90210 that went on a completely yeah, yeah <laughs> it went on a completely different direction but it was supposed to be about real life high school problems or Degrassi started as middle school and then they went to high school. So it was supposed to be like regularly cast kids. Degrassi street is a real street in Toronto. I used to live two minutes away from it down the street from Kim's convenience. Everything in Toronto on like Toronto television is real. Just letting you know, literally lived across the street from Kim's convenience. Okay. So Drake eighties Degrassi became Beverly Hills. 90210. Yes. In, in the States. Um, but in Canada, it remains sort of, this sort of same thing where like they cast local kids and like it wasn't supposed to be this Hollywood glamour thing. It was supposed to be like real life stories about like teen pregnancy and drunk driving and all this type of stuff. Then it had a revival when I was in high school, which is where Drake was, where Drake comes into it. Uh, he played a kid named Jimmy on it. His best friend in it was named Spinner and now Spinner drives Ubers. Uh, that just came 
broke like a week ago. So you can oh. see we're Canadian TV. You either become part of the Marvel Universe and Drake, or you drive Ubers and take selfies with fans. So no middle ground in Canada. But yeah, so Degrassi had a revival. I know. Um, Degrassi had a revival. Drake became really popular from it. Um, and then he started sort of this rap career which, you know, he grew up in this area in Toronto called Rosedale, which is like the third richest neighborhood. He came from a lot of privilege, um, but somehow through talent, through hard work, I'm, I'm not disparaging him on that way, but he really put a different type of Canadian music scene on the map. Uh, Canada was last known for sort of that like Montreal pop movement that I was mentioning before about like broken social scene and arcade fire. He started bringing Canadian hip hop kind of to the forefront to the point where he literally kind of renamed the city, the six. And people use that now because Toronto used to be not to go too technical into, you know, municipality and, and the politics of Canada, uh, of Toronto, but it used to be like six different boroughs that got amalgamated into like this mega city. And so like the fact that Drake has been able to rebrand the city, the fact that Drake is um, able to to have influence and say over our sports team. So like having the OVO court for the, uh, for the Toronto Raptors, who are an NBA winning team, like he is just so part of this city that that it's really hard to escape him as a brand rather than just looking at him as a musician. So the point that I'm trying to get at is that I think the rest of the world kind of looks at him as a musician, whereas Toronto sees him more as, as this industry. So when he goes to the UK and he finds these musicians who were very popular in the UK, but were you know nameless in North America and he's able to bring them over, that is very much on Drake's brand of of exposing something and and working it into kind of popular culture. And so where I can see like why people kind of get annoyed about that or saying that, you know, it's commercialization, it's selling out. That's exactly what he does. So are we going to mm. see or are we currently seeing Canadian grime acts happening? Yeah. So before this episode, I kind of threw it out on my Twitter saying like, hey, what's your favorite uh, grime artist, grime, uh, grime musician, grime song, whatever, just to sort of see what my like own followers were, were listening to. If everyone was just like, what the hell are you talking about? And people were suggesting me people from Toronto I'd never heard of before. And one artist, I'll look him up now, has a song literally called Hockey. So, Hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we stay on brand. But it has sort of like exposed new music routes and, and um, bring out new musicians. And you'll have the argument saying like, oh, they were always making this music and it's now just becoming popular. So it's coming to, you know, the forefront and the light. But I think at the end of the day, and maybe this is just sort of like naive or like me being a very polite Canadian, that there's more room at the table, right? Like if you're able to bring these young musicians up and being able to expose them and give them commercial success, yes, there's a lot of problems with like the record industry as a whole, but anytime you can bring somebody's creativity and have somebody have artistic integrity, to me, that's a good thing. Honestly, so so Drake in Canada kind of reminds me of, <laughs> of Tyler Perry in the, in the States because Tyler Perry has like his own compound in Georgia that is like massive, massive, and he produces all of his shows and all of his movies, and he is his brand, and he's a self-made billionaire, although I don't believe that, in, that self-made billionaires exist, you know what I mean? And yeah. so like he, 
he there's the, there's a similar question over his like business and labor practices or like he's he's bringing African American art to a wider audience, but like is he is he doing that to the detriment of individual smaller creators? And now is there like a great grime divide of like people who are like, well, true grime is this and Canadian grime is that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's not necessarily unique to any sort of music. I mean, any genre, you're going to have purists. However, one thing that I think people really forget about um, or don't give enough credit to is how technology has changed. In 2001, if I wanted to listen to a Kano song, I would have to be on LimeWire or Napster downloading it for three hours, right? Now I go on Spotify and I have six people who've made me a playlist. So yes, there's more exposure. Yes, I'm not listening to you know pirated radio stations and and having to go to clubs and whatnot in order to hear this new music. So on one hand, I understand how something that's really important or really special to somebody who who've been there since the beginning and who was there since day one and like rose up the ranks. Like I understand why this new sound is different and not what they want or not what they historically understand. But at the same time, like you didn't have the same sort of um uh what's what I'm looking for, the same sort of opportunities to hear and get exposed if you lived in one part of london you went to the same six clubs you're hearing the same sort of six things over and over again that will evolve and change and you know you'll hear a certain sound however something that's happening in manchester something's happening in liverpool something that's happening in toronto new york whatever you wouldn't have that same sort of exposure at the time and place whereas now between things like you know Bandcamp. Spotify, wherever you're putting music, even something like a MySpace back in the day where like people were were putting themselves out there and being able to reach a wider audience, that's going to have a huge impact on music. That's going to have a huge um, uh, way that people are going to be able to A, consume music and B, learn from from artists that that will then inspire the next generation. Like I know it's 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 such a like silly thing to to quibble about, but like people talk about you know, pop stars who have millions of downloads or like Justin, another Canadian, uh, Justin Bieber's Baby and how like that's one of the most watched music videos. But you can't compare that to something like, you know, a Led Zeppelin or like Queen or somebody who is musically much more talented, is much more deserving of like records and accolades. Than than (laughs) Biebs? I don't know. I mean, Baby isn't a great song. He does have a few other bangers, but... The ludicrous verse on Baby is like, it's like, it's like Stairway to Heaven, the ludicrous verse on Baby. (laughs) Where he talks about Starbucks as a metaphor Mm -hmm. for erections. (laughs) Wait, Um, wait, why am I always the one on the show that doesn't realize when there are metaphors for erections? Wake me up like a Starbucks? (laughs) I mean, am I just... All right. Leaving. Yeah. It's about sex. And baby. (laughs) Oh, and Lindsay, I have a grime song just for you. Oh my gosh. Really? Yes. (laughs) I can't wait. And you will see exactly why. Oh my God, I can't wait. As you open this link. (laughs) I'm worried. You should be. Oh, shit. Taylor. 
So this is Taylor Swift by the Asteroid Boys. Oh my god, what's happening? There's like a Timothy Chalamet yeah, like swimming. It's like a double, a double Lindsay <laughs> video. It's definitely a kitchen party as well, so I'm glad that I brought that up earlier to come full circle. Kick it, did it for the lucky, lightning biscuit, I call them bookies, man are all bidding. I'm a survivor, Beyonce swimming, living off a fiver for more than a minute. Tell a man what's really good tip, tell a man Again, don't really at me saying this isn't a real grime song. I know, it's an evolution of a current iteration of what people think grime is. Is your uh, Twitter just like full of trolls? Yeah. I'm a female sports writer. I am like PTSD <laughs> okay. all the time. I can say a score that has been like determined and people will argue with me about it i'm glad that my brand is just taylor swift all the time now you have no idea how much taylor swift content i cut out of the show (laughs) is that even true i don't actually know how much the song actually has to do with taylor swift i know like i heard beyonce i haven't heard anything about taylor yet why is this not a grime song why would someone say this isn't a grime song versus why is it a grime song so there's a few things it could be as simple as this is like a post-production grime song so it's it's not in the time it's not in the place mm-hmm. it could be as simple as like you know these what they're rapping about like these are all just like a bunch of pop culture references as you said like beyonce and not yeah not coming from things. coming from the street or whatever mm-hmm so there is a few things. I mean, it's a fun song. It fits that mm-hmm. sort of like musical from what I understand of of beats per minute. It fits all of that, but it's 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 an evolution, right? Like mm-hmm. after a while, things happen. Like there's a one of my favorite grime songs is by one of like the original OGs of grime, if you will, called Wiley, and it's called Too Many Men, and it's just about being at a party where there's too many guys at it. I was at one of those last night. Uh, too many, too many men okay <laughs> that is essentially a line there's that uh fly of the concord song too many dicks on the dance floor i wonder if that has been like if that's like a grime nod yeah maybe that's what we'll go out on today yeah i like that idea this is too many men so this is so so wiley is you say one of the ogs of grime and so this is mm-hmm. pr- like this is earlier than P's and Q's uh no the song would have come out later but he's like okay yeah he's like he is one of like the the pillars godfathers sure yeah giants that other people have stood on the shoulders of alright then it's gonna be a mud ting shorty I rep BBK Monday to Sunday I'm like BBK Jamie Skepta Wiley Frisco Maximum yeah that's BBK add me to the list that's BBK so you can't help but dance. <laughs> Try running to it, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah, so from what Dave was talking about, right? There's this, there's this repetition happening. There's like a complex electronic rhythm over like a drum machine. It feels super jock jamsy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, it's, it's not a very serious song. Again, please don't at me and telling me that man has to do with politics and it's about the government oppressing and like not actually about girls. But like, you can't just have fun songs that are just like bangers at parties. Yeah. Wait, there is there is a a, a theory that this is about like Manchester politics. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying there might be, but. Um, talking about the evolution of grime, a lot of grime artists now are very heavily into politics, and mm-hmm. especially the UK during Brexit and whatnot, um, a lot of grime artists kind of use their voice to say, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, who is probably one of my favorite artists, um, sat down with Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Corbyn and like basically said, why should people vote for you? Here are the issues that, you know, constituents that I know care about, you know, gu- uh, gang violence, uh, project housing, things like that. And like these sort of like old school grime artists have become this almost political force in the UK, which is again, part of that evolution that is super, super cool, super, super interesting. And something that you don't really get in North America as much. Um, I know even in Canada too, like you don't have that many musicians coming out and and talking politics. Like in the US you have like rock the vote and things Mm -hmm. like that, but like you wouldn't have somebody like Jay-Z or somebody who's really uh, instrumental in a musical genre sit down with like a Biden and interview him. He may, you know, lend a track to to a song or something, or uh, uh, lend a track to like a rally or Mm. I don't really understand American Mm. politics, so I'm just saying words. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're in the middle of an election in Canada right now, and it's just so different than the States that, like, it's it's mind-blowing. Yeah, you you don't have that sort of, like, same sort of one-on-one, and people like Kano have, like, really come forward to, like, talk politics and, like, try to make the country a better place. Uh, which I just find really, really fascinating that like these sort of like older guys now who've made their money, who can like retire happily, really do still care about social injustice, which is kind of at the root of, of most music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, speaking out and being able to talk about something when you can't articulate and use your voice and being able to do it in a different way in order to be heard. The closest thing we have is probably Run the Jewels and Killer Mike. Killer Mike yeah. is a is a rapper who was pretty mm-hmm. instrumental during the 2016 and 2020 elections and he was like a big Bernie Sanders guy. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Um in one election we had in Canada for some reason Bono really liked one of the candidates. Oh uh, no. Paul Martin. <laughs> And and for some reason, and Paul Martin won, liberal, um, but Bono really, really campaigned for him. Like, it was the weirdest thing. That I still don't understand. You don't get Canadian politicians doing that, or Canadian musicians really doing that. If Honestly, if Drake were to endorse somebody in 
either the MP that in his writing in his in Rosedale or in uh, the Bridal Path or a political party here, it would change the election. Yeah, without a doubt in my mind. That's so weird that he has that kind of sway. He like. He is very good friend, good friends. He is very good friends with the mayor of Toronto. And basically Drake could say, I want the CN Tower lit up in this color this evening. And John Tory would do it. Holy shit. Because he's so important to the cultural and like fabric of Toronto. Wow. It's wild. Like, um, what do you think he's going to do next? What is his end game? (laughs) I think he's opening a nightclub, actually. World domination. Prime Minister of Canada, Drake. <sighs> please don't joke. Please, please don't joke. I mean, you know, as somebody who had Donald Trump as your prime minister, oh God, I, I feel like you cannot throw shade at me for I'm, Drake. I, First of all, he did not win the popular vote. No, certainly didn't. Neither time. And don't get me wrong, Canada's really fucked up as well. We we also have protests outside of our hospitals from anti-vaxxers. Sure. We have inc- incredible problems with indigenous populations and and our treatment of First Nations people. We have incredible mm-hmm. racism, police brutality. I'm not trying to trying to say Canada's great. It's it's oh, really it's really shitty. Far better than the U.S. It's fine. I think we just have less people to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We've got a lot of dummies here. But uh, on that note, I found Hockey by Trey Mission. Beats good, though. Yeah, I can yeah. definitely hear the difference between, like, the next wave of grime, let's say, and who, who's considered, like, the, the, the OGs of grime. Like, Kano and the one that we just listened to sound very different. Wiley. Than- yeah, Kano yeah. and Wiley sound different than Trey Mission and the Taylor Swift low. guys. Asteroid <laughs> Boy or whatever. Out the games, what you get, Trey still reappear yearly. Could have been rinse or radar. Me and Mad Max get Terry. See Matt Kane in a cup. Whoa, that one there, that's scary. Me and Young Josh. Yeah, I really like this one. It's very smooth. It's very well produced. Yeah. The production value is very high. Yeah, the, the, the grungy bass is gone and it's like very clean now. It's weird it's weird that he that to hear a grime song without like a thick British accent. Mm. There's not that and I don't know if it's the accent that plays into this, but there's not that like panic. There's not that like having to hit those bars that Dave was talking about. There's no that sense of urgency. This feels very rehearsed and practice and it doesn't feel that sort of like you're going out on stage and like just doing it and like spitting it as as you go so me a grime purist would say this isn't grime because it lacks that urgency i would think so yeah like yeah. this is very very smooth this is like i said well produced um doesn't mean that like original grime isn't well produced i'm not saying that but this is overly produced Mm -hmm. in somebody's you know studio not necessarily in somebody's basement right which again i mean that just happens to any genre you have that sort of evolution of things that that makes it a little bit more polished and accessible radio friendly especially um you're able to package it and sell it into a commercial or into a movie or anything or something like that 
that that's where the money gets made, right? Like, as much as you you hate it, as much as you don't want to admit it, um, you two specifically, I'm talking about, uh, that you that's just sort of how life works. That's how musicians are able to survive and function and then be able to make other music. That's why a lot of times B-sides or, you know, hidden tracks are a lot better than what comes actually comes out on an album. Because they're not worried about the commercial appeal. Exactly, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, not okay. Oh, that, that's a very that's a very good point. Sorry. I was like, <laughs> um, no, that is a very good point. Um, so a couple of lost little pockets. Uh, number one, just talking about the evolution of grime. There is now something called Nursery Grimes, which... Excuse I- me. <laughs> yes, it is the sweetest thing in the world. This goes back to that thing you were saying about growing up, right? Where it's like, now we ha- are repurposing this thing because we're all old now and having kids. And so we're, we're repurposing a thing into something for the next generation. Literally. Uh, and this is from Christian Foley. And he is like a spoken word artist. Like he, he, he's a teacher, he's an educator, but like he does his own sort of like poetry scene and he's able to take grime, apply it to nursery rhymes and be able to like bring it into the classroom and like repurpose it for a new generation in a new way, keeping with those same sort of elements that we discussed earlier. Cool. What happens when okay. you mix Humpty Dumpty with Skepta? Nod your heads. That's it, it's nursery grind. Follow me. Incy Wincy Spider climb up the water. Down came the rain. A washboard is. Honestly? Out came the sun. This does slap. It super slaps. Incy Spider climb up the spouter. Well, I'm a little teapot, short and stout. Here's my handle, here's my spout. When I get steamed up, hear me shout. Tip me over and pull me out like row, row, row your boat. Gently down the street. Dope. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Well, Humpty Dumpty sat up on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together. Jack and Jill went up that hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. This is great. great and it also it also is like it it shows like what different rhythms are, right? So it's like you could be on the four, you could be on eights, and like he threw triplets in there. Like it's a ton of cool variation within that same beat, which I think is part of that thing that you're talking about of like when you're locked when you have this cage of 140 BPM, like you need to get creative to keep it, you know, fresh or whatever. So I want to kind of end with one more song, just like as part of the conversation from probably my favorite grime artist, which is uh, Jamie, who, as I mentioned before, he's one of the the sort of like original guys who has now moved more into like politics and producing and whatnot and, and being able to kind of use his position to leverage this next generation into caring about things. But this song is called Serious. Um, but it also kind of explains the process of like grime musicians and how everything kind of like works together and fits together. Um, it's one of those songs that are so, that was so important and so instrumental that people now still reference it with the line serious. Um, but it's, it's just, it's a fun song. It's a smart song. It's really clever lyrically. 
um, which I think also kind of gets sort of brushed aside. People hear lyrics and like, you know, they sing along or they bop their head to the beat, which is which is a line from the song that we're about to listen to. But if you were to actually like sit down and read the lyrics, like it is social commentary and it's very clever and smart social commentary. And I think that's one of those sort of missing pieces that maybe hasn't transitioned as well into the sort of new grime era mm-hmm. when they're talking about Beyonce or you know Taylor Swift or however they spelled her name um it doesn't have quite that same feel as like American hip-hop and and when you guys did your NWA episode and things like that where lyrics actually meant something and it was very specific to that time and place yeah and it's tough to stay political when when commercialism is knocking on the door saying like you can make all this money if you just make something that everyone will like Republicans buy sneakers too mm-hmm the lyrics and follow along sing along if you'd like to <laughs> j-m-e a simple simple music music lesson. Think, think about it Serious. Everybody thinks to MC tough, your lyrics must be about negative stuff. Go raving, no one's skanking. Turn around, I bet you someone's shanking. Just cause we come from the gutter and we know about scraping the bottom of the butter, don't mean we have to be sinners. Major labels don't want killers. Think, who's gonna sign a guy with a shank? Or a guy with a nine mil? What you're gonna get is a free figure deal. You MC a rave and get a bill, but that bill ain't gonna last. It will go fast and it might be the last. Shoots for a while, so you won't have no dough for a while. Serious. To the beat, just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance, to the beat, just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance, or lean back, then pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance, to the beat, just pop your head to the beat. Serious, you're not serious. Don't say serious, I say serious. You wanna get serious? Let's get serious. You can't hack serious. So don't say serious about serious. You're not serious. Don't say serious, I say serious. You wanna get serious? It kind of reminds me of Eminem. It kind of reminds me of um, Grandmaster Flash or Funkmaster Flex or one of the one of the masters of what, where he, um, you know, that song, don't push me because I'm close to the edge, but like if you double time that whole thing. But the whole point of MC nowadays is to get a reload on the decks. Man will go to radio on Thursday, even though it's his birthday, who spit lyrics like it's the worst day in his life. It's not serious. Serious. To the beat, just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance to the beat, then pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance or do the vocal, just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance to the beat, just pop your head to the beat. Serious, you're not serious. Don't say serious, I say serious. You wanna get serious? Let's get serious. You can't hack serious. So don't say serious about serious. You're not serious. Don't say serious, I say serious. You wanna get serious? Let's get serious. You can't hack serious. So don't say serious. Everybody knows you're some goody goody. That screw face and that rocker wear hoodie just ain't working. Sorry, brethren, I'm Buzz Lightyear and you come like Woody. But again, it's it's talking about the production value and like you know a lot of typical rap music is about like how hard you are, like how tough you are, and that you're a hard man or whatnot. And that's not what makes money. You know, yeah, you, the and, label and doesn't want like, that sort of liability. Right. Yeah. Hold me a lump sum and he try jump some fairies to the beat. Just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance to the beat, then pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance or signal the plane, just pop your head to the beat. If you don't wanna dance to the beat, just pop your head to the beat. Serious. You're not serious. Don't say serious. I say serious. You wanna get serious? Let's get serious. You can't hack serious. So don't say serious about serious. You're not serious. Don't say serious. I say serious. You wanna get serious? Let's get serious. You can't hack serious. So don't say serious. Everybody takes something away with them from this lesson today. See you tomorrow.
love it. So where can people at you on the internet if you've made one tiny little mistake in your speeches today? And you mentioned there was a Spotify playlist, so maybe we could share that for anyone who wants to hear more. At Sonia Missio, please don't yell at me. I'm very sensitive and a polite Canadian who takes things really personally. Yeah, don't. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to go out on the Flight of the Concords doing their version of Grime with a song called Too Many Dicks, parentheses, on the dance floor. Which is usually the case. To show you how much I've learned, I've heard this song for like 10 or 15 years at this point and did not realize it was a Grime song until I just like listen to it now to check it and it is like them doing crime um, so you've taught me quite a bit about songs that I already liked <laughs> you knew it all along it was always in your heart the real crime <laughs> was the friends we made along the way um, do we have confirmation that this is grime it's kind of techno-y well shit <laughs> Yeah, this is more like a. God damn it! Well, never this mind. Is Devo. <laughs> uh, all right. Find us on the internet at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. <laughs> Instagram at Twitter at lyrics. At lyricsforlunch. Leave us a rate and review wherever you get your podcast. <laughs> Apple Podcast is the best. Let us know what your favorite grime song is. Fuck yeah fuck yeah and tune in next week when we do this again we don't know what we're gonna do next do we we don't know what we're doing next and you're at sonia missio on twitter it's sonia with a j yep thank you so much for joining us sonia with a j thank you very much for having me it was a lot of fun thank you this was such a a pleasure and until next time i'm aviv rubenstein i'm Lindsay tucker we'll see you on the dance floor with too many dicks too many dicks (laughs) 